Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps. This is a show where we correct and dissect the TV advertisements that raised us, phased us, and even amazed us. I'm Al and I'm here with my co-host Courtney. What up? That's them. (laughs) And that's a wrap on Courtney. Well, that's it. (laughs) I'm trying to be cool, but Al, I realize I'm not cool. Oh, really? Did you know I'm a geriatric millennial? I did know that. Now, I don't know if it's the, you know, me wearing theme park t-shirts from the 1990s (laughs) or blasting Smash Mouth in my car. Oh, boy. But I think the thing that tipped me off being a geriatric millennial is um, I literally bought Polydent yesterday. Oh, my gosh. That'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it. So, but you know what? My little mouth appliance, she's in there tight. (laughs) And that's what you need. She's not going to wiggle around, folks. And that's a gift I give to you because, boy, I'm sorry if you had to listen to, you know, <laughs> this. I like it. Situation. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, that's about me. Okay. Let's talk about a creep. Let's talk about a creep. Yeah. Okay. How did, hey. Yeah. How do we used to learn things? <laughs> you mean before the internet? Yeah. God, like, I guess a library, huh? Well, they were, like, books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like you would have one big set of books. Oh, an encyclopedia. And they told you whatever you wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something I was thinking about. I want to read you something <laughs> okay. from the January 9th, 1994 issue of the Chicago Tribune. 1994? Mm-hmm. Okay, long time ago. It's an interview, but it's also kind of a eulogy. Oh, Okay. Myron Taxman, 47, is a sales manager for Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh. He worked his way through school selling encyclopedias and earned a degree in sociology from Roosevelt University in 1968. He and his wife, Carol, live in Skokie with their three daughters and son. He spent 25 years as an encyclopedia salesman. Wow. Do you, did you remember, didn't any knock on your door? Yeah. Salesman? I remember vacuum salesman. Yeah. I don't know. Knife, um, knife salesman. Knife salesman, books. Mary Kay. Books. Oh, Mary Kay, you have some Mary Kay? I don't know. My my mom was not, not a fan. Oh, no, no one was coming in our house. Of opening the door? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. Um, so Myron says, or Myron said in 1994, oh, yeah. I started selling encyclopedias as a part-time job while attending Roosevelt University, which was right down the street from the Britannica offices. Britannica offices. <laughs> Gotta get my new books. <laughs> I just celebrated my 25th year with them at a party where I received a gold watch. Ooh. I'm in management now, but I'm far from retirement. At the party, I said I would have to work for another 25 years to send my four children to college. Oh, Lord. Computers are wonderful for storing information, but they will never replace Uh, books. uh, In using reference books, you may be going back and forth to cull your information. Also, you can take a book with you. That's something you can't do with a computer screen. Oh, no. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay, this is what, while you were reading that, I just realized something. Like, if you buy an encyclopedia set, mm-hmm. that, that's a lot of money. Like, yeah. a lot, they were a lot of money. You would have to buy them, like, because they would update every year. I don't think people did that, though. No? <laughs> no. I guess not. It wasn't like Webster's Online, here's our hundred new words but for the year. What if you want to learn about, I don't know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of an invention that happened in the 90s. Like a cell phone. Or Russia. <laughs> oh, yeah, Russia. Oh, yeah, 
91. Oh, I should have said Russia. 91, I should have said Russia. Anyway. Okay, so never mind all that. Well, that makes me sad, though. No, no. Okay. I want to tell you about a man named Britton Haddon. Okay. He was born in 1898. And though he died almost a full year before they ended, he was one of the most influential journalists of the 1920s. Whoa, okay. He got his start writing in the student magazine for his Brooklyn prep school, as well as a handwritten underground publication called The Daily Glonk. Glonk? <laughs> Why Glonk? I don't know. I wish I could ask him, but he died a maybe long time that's, ago. Maybe that's the old, old uh, version of Glomp. Oh, I dearly hope not. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if I see so-and-so, I'm going to glonk them. Do you think people were glomping in the early 1900s? Why do glomp... What does glomp stand for? It's not an acronym. Oh. It's just a noise? It's just a word someone made up. Boy. I hate it. Sorry, LiveJournal. Sorry, fanfiction.net. <laughs> so the daily glonk, yes. Wild thing to call something. Boy. I need to know more. There's no more information. Oh, no. In the first couple of years after graduating from Yale, he wrote for the New York World and Baltimore News. Hmm. It was in Baltimore that Haddon and his Yale classmate, Henry Luce, brainstormed their passion project, a magazine condensing all the news of the week into an easily readable digest. They originally planned to call this publication Facts. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just I could just imagine like point form facts. Elephants are really big. <laughs> facts. It's nineteen twenty. No one's on facts yet. <laughs> uh. So Haddon and Luce published their first issue on March third, nineteen twenty three, and for four and a half of the remaining six years of his life. Haddon served as the editor-in-chief and developed the signature writing style the publication is still known for. Is it Reader's Digest? It's not. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> I know. I tricked you with my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know Reader's Digest has, you know, a way of writing. Yeah. Hmm. What is this? When he became ill in 1928, Haddon signed a will leaving all of his stock in the company to his mother, forbidding her or anyone else in the family to sell his shares for 49 years. <laughs> Come on, make it 69. Come on. Come on. Come on. That is funny. Not up. <laughs> it's, 40, it's only 49. You can't. <laughs> you can only, not down. Mm -hmm. When Haddon passed away in February 1929, Luce took over as editor-in-chief and took Haddon's name off the masthead two weeks later. Oh, shit. Did they not like each other? They had squabbles, but they were old friends. They were old friends? <laughs> 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 Within the year, Luce formed a syndicate and obtained Haddon's stock from his grieving family. Oh, boy. It's shocking that no biographies of Henry Luce refer to him as a necrophiliac, considering how well, thoroughly he fucked his dead business oh, partner. Oh, well, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the family, it sounds like they didn't even put up a fight. Well, I, I think it was business rules and they couldn't. Oh, business rules. I think business rules oh, I were see. in play. He just rolled up. He's like, sorry, business rules are like, well, our hands are tied. I, I read a lot of about corporations for yeah. this ad creep. I'm sorry. And I don't know any more than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to say business rules were in play. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Actually, so at one time in during, while Haddon was still alive, Haddon went to Europe for a conference or something, and while he was there, Luce moved the headquarters of their newspaper what? or their magazine from New York to somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. And then Haddon came back and he's like, what the fuck? And Luce's like, oh, my wife likes it better here. And then oh my God. Haddon moved it back. And then they moved it back. That 
I don't know. That's a red flag. That is a red flag. For I, that think. I think partnership. That's a toxic relationship. Ooh, it I is. feel like. Lord, have Ugh. mercy. <laughs> so by the mid 1960s, with roughly 15 years to go before Haddon's relatives would have been able to sell their shares, mm-hmm. Time Incorporated was the largest and most prestigious oh. magazine publisher in the world. Wow. And it's just full of facts. It's all facts, folks. Okay, I see. It's no. facts, folks. <laughs> you can quote me Ooh, on that. You enunciated so nicely. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just jealous. I can't enunciate. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to show off. <laughs> With additional publications like Fortune, Life, Sports Illustrated, and House and Home, Henry Luce gained a tight grip over the future of journalism in the United States. But there were still worlds left to conquer. I thought you meant tweet. Tweet. A thank tweet you. Tweet grip. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. They were still, they're left to conquer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They have time and facts. <laughs> They've got time and facts on their what side. What else is there left? <clears throat> It's a great question. Mm. Around the same time, Denny Hatch, now a direct mail marketing expert, experienced a pivotal moment in his life. He writes... October 4th, 1957, is etched in my memory almost as clearly as the day Kennedy was shot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That October day, the Russians launched Sputnik. Oh, yeah. Leaving the U.S. space program at the starting gate. I stood on Columbia University's main campus talking with fellow students while this satellite whizzed over our heads, all of us fully expecting Armageddon. (laughs) It's just a really bad weather thing. Yeah. I think it was just... Honestly, really, from my my personal historic opinion, they just did it. It's a piece of junk. They just did it to spook everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. They like, really kick this thing up. There. Yeah. Is there lasers in there? Do not know. Is there a dog in there? Not this one. <laughs> probably a turtle though. Oh yeah, probably. They, I think there's a. Tur- I'm a turtle Sputnik truther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So during a speech in Poland the previous year, Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev said to the West, "We will be at your burial." wow 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 god during this period american school children practiced regular air raid drills survivalists spent small fortunes outfitting backyard air raid shelters in 1960 khrushchev took off his shoe in the united nations general assembly (laughs) and beat the desk in protest yes that same year an amazing mailing arrived in america's mailboxes it proclaimed in huge type russia as i recall (laughs) This is Denny Hatch's words. Yeah. The envelope had a picture of the Kremlin and a montage of other photos, including a Cossack and a Russian soldier. Okay. Okay. I gotta, I gotta put the pieces Are on the fun? table. I'm, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little woozy. Gotta put the pieces on the okay. table. You started encyclopedia salesman. Yeah. Uh, old, old timey facts and time. Mm-hmm. Time magazine. N- now Khrushchev with his shoe and also a mailing. Oh, God. See, I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that this was going to turn into those, you remember those animal facts? Zoo? Oh, what were they? You got them in the mail, and every, every month it was a new animal. It's like zoo books, zoo books! This is not an experience that I had. Really? No. I didn't do it, but it was a commercial. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only rich kids got zoo books. Zoo books. Zoo books. Who were they published by? Uh, I think maybe Time Magazine? Oh, interesting. Maybe. I'm lying. Who knows? Who can say? So it's not Zoo Books. It's not, to my knowledge, Yeah, it's not Zoo Books. Oh, wow. I gotta find a Zoo Books ad, man. I want to see one. Okay, so in 1961, Mm -hmm. Jerome Hardy arrived at Time Incorporated from Doubleday to start the publishing giant's book division. 
The main idea behind the new department was to exploit the massive archives that Time Incorporated had amassed over four decades of weekly publication. Russia was a part of his second line of books, a series called the Life World Library, with each book devoted to a different country from the world using illustrations drawn from one of the world's largest photographic archives. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. A whole series of books about different countries. It's just a bunch of, it's like zoo books only for countries. Exactly. Thank you for giving me the context I need. It's country zoo books. <laughs> <laughs> With Dolly Parton. Wow. At the zoo. Oh, I would love it. God. I'd read a whole series of books about Dollywood. Dolly, 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 Dolly. Or she does that books for kids thing. Yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. So, are you ready? I, I'm. You don't know where you're going. Here. You're on a I'm, precipice. There's so many roads out. I know. I love it. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to edge you like you did to me with Ernst. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> While time life was giving Americans the chance to learn about world history, mm-hmm. Henry Luce was attempting to make it. In his incredibly influential position as the editor of all Time Incorporated publications until 1964 and a high-ranking member of the Republican Party, Hank played a large role in steering American foreign policy. What? He featured Kuomintang leader Chiang Kai-shek and his wife on the cover of Time magazine 11 times between 1927 and 1955. Man, the Americans love that guy. Yep. Boy, howdy. And he used it to influence popular American sentiment around the KMT's war against the Japanese. Wow. And against the communists. Yes. That's very important. That's very important. And he, as an ardent anti-Soviet, he once demanded John Kennedy invade Cuba and later remarked to his editors that if he did not, his corporation would act like Hearst during the Spanish-American War. Yes! Hearst rise again! <laughs> yes! The ghost is here! <laughs> now you got me pumped. We talking about Hearst in this bitch? Well, just for the Shit. moment. <laughs> I did I I did go off topic and read about the yellow kid, which I found very oh. confusing. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that little guy. Wow. Uh Luce also penned a famous article in Life magazine in 1941 called The American Century, which defined the role of American foreign policy for the remainder of the 20th century and beyond. Okay, I'm vaguely familiar with this. I did not know it was the same guy. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. He also had uh, one of his employees gave him the nickname Il Luce. Um. Which is, uh, you know, like. Like Mussolini. Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> did he also have a square face? Square head? <laughs> he was more like oblongy, roundy. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But the Life World Library was just the first of many series made up of material pulled from Time's archives under the branding of Time Life Books. They were all sold through the mail, and as a result, their massive success was not measured alongside traditional publishers, but there was a period where Time Life was the most profitable division of Time Incorporated. Other series included The Old West, How Things Work, Foods of the World, the 21-volume Third Reich series, well, <laughs> and one that probably deserves its own ad creep, Mysteries of the Unknown. Yes! Are we not talking about that? No, no. No! But we can another time. I'll leave it. I'll open it up for you if you want. Mystery. Well, now I'm, now all I can think about is zoo books. So I don't know if I have time for that. Oh, you're just, you're all in zoo books. I'm all, oh God. Wow. What are we doing? Because I was thinking when you said time life, I'm like, oh, I remember book series. What? Oh, there's one about aliens. Which one? Are we doing that one? It's very interesting. It's very interesting. The series had titles like Search for Immortality, Earth Energies, and Spirit Summonings. And between 1987 and 1991, you could turn on just about any channel and find a commercial, including one featuring young Julianne Moore, encouraging you to read the book. 
Well, there just might be something to it. Ben Randall, commenting on Time Life's popular series, Mysteries of the Unknown. I've always been a little curious about unexplained phenomena. Because of personal experiences? What do you mean? Well, like, for example, can you sense when something's about to happen? Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's a little psychic, but... Uh, what about UFOs? I don't know. Lots of people swear they've seen them. Ever experienced deja vu? Sort of. Like, I went into this old 19th century farmhouse, and I, I just knew I'd been there before. In another life? <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> ready for this? Mystic places? Uh-huh. It's from Time Life. Talks about things like the Nazca Mines. Were they runways for alien spaceships? And did those aliens interbreed with the ancient Peruvians? Did they? Read the book. Read about the medieval warriors who appeared before Stephen Jenkins in 1936. Then he saw them again 38 years later. That true? Read the book. Read about Aleister Crowley and his bride. They spent a honeymoon night in the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid. What happened? Read the book. Read about Cyrus Teeth's belief that people live in the center of the earth. Admiral Burt looked into it. Know what he found? I know. Read the book. Read Mystic Places. It's yours free for 10 days. If you keep it, other volumes will follow one about every other month. You'll receive psychic powers, followed by psychic voyages and phantom encounters. Every volume written by experts. They give you all the information so you can decide for yourself. I've decided. I'm ready to order. The books? The books and the food. Waiter. Read the book. Read the book. This series originally had a fairly mediocre response until an event known as the Harmonic Convergence. What? (laughs) (laughs) I am enamored by this. Tell me more. A global meditation event organized by New Age author Jose Arguiles that called for believers from all around the world gather where they could in order to meditate on a common karmic goal. According to Arguiles, on August 16th to 17th of 1987... For those keeping score, that's just a month and a half before I was born. Wow. The planets aligned, as predicted in an ancient Mayan <laughs> prophecy, ushering in an age of global rebirth. Al, you were almost the chosen one. I know, it was so it was close. so close. It was so close. Wow. If I had been born during this, it, during nothing harmonic convergence... <laughs> nothing would have stopped you. Oh, man. <laughs> the massive popularity of the event sparked a huge increase in sales for Mysteries of the Unknown. By the fall of 1987, they couldn't print enough of them. Why aren't we talking about this? I cannot. <laughs> you are ernsting me, by the way. I'm ernsting Because I'm so hyped for everything else you've talked about. You could. Uh, how? Where could we have gone? Where are we going? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> In the following years, the demand for Time Life's direct mail book offerings waned. They had introduced music box sets starting in 1967 and video starting the year 2000, but the books became harder and harder to sell. They even tried special limited time offerings like the following for their Lost Civilization series. If you are among the first 50 people to reply, we will send you two lapis scarabs, two eyes of Horus, and a bronze onk made in Egypt between 2040 and 525 BC. Wait, no. A certificate of authenticity is included. What? Representations vary, but amulets of comparable antiquity and quality commonly auctioned for $400 and up. We're going to just throw in a mummy. We're just going to grave rob. (laughs) We're going to grave rob. We're going to go in a pyramid and just see what we can rattle around in there, see what we can get you. What? I just also love that this is, like, for their Lost Civilization series, like, Ancient Egypt is a Lost Civilization. Like, no, it just looks different now than it used to, like, like a lot of them. Hey, Al, did you see the Mummy Parade? 
Did you watch the mummy parade? No. What? Tell me about the mummy parade. Well, they're moving all the Egyptian mummies from their old museum to mm-hmm. the new one in, in Egypt, mm-hmm. in Cairo. And so they put all the mummies they had in like golden SUVs. Wow. And drove them. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's fucking dope. That's very cool. Can you imagine? They tre- did treat them like they should have been treated. It was really cool. I recommend watching it. It was Ooh. like it was like a whole touristy. I'm gonna check. I'll it's check really it out. Cool. I'm sure I'll find that. Eventually, the powerhouse Time Incorporated, having merged with Warner Communications in 1990 to create Time Warner, which was then purchased by America Online Inc. in 2000 at the turn of a new millennium to Wait form AOL Time Warner. Wait a minute. <laughs> is this is this where we're going? I I don't know where you think we're going. Wait a minute. Well, okay. I'm afraid. (laughs) Well, okay, okay, okay. This was a corporate powerhouse poised to take advantage of the internet bubble, but baby, that bubble burst first. Yeah, it's, it went, it went poof, huh? It went, it went right poof. Yeah. In 2001, jobs were slashed and Time Life Books was shuttered. Sputnik memorialist and direct mail marketer (laughs) Denny Hatch asked one insider, (laughs) what happened to all that intellectual property, the inventory of books, film, and backup files? And the reply came, what happened to Dresden in World War II? Most of the stuff what? was lost or destroyed in the move to new warehouses. I don't know if that's what happened to Dresden in World War II. I mean, they they wrote a bunch of books about it. <laughs> the, his files? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not so sure. I didn't dip into those. Are they saying that all the Time Life stuff is like the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah. Like, in the warehouse <laughs> It's just a wild thing to say. Boy. <laughs> but in 2003... The direct marketing division of Time Life was resuscitated by Ripplewood Holdings and Zelnick Media under the umbrella of Direct Holdings Worldwide, LLC. CEO Strauss Zelnick, who acquired the brand not for its books, but for its music and video products, is also the current chairman of CBS. That's not related. It's simply bonkers. (laughs) They're all, it's all very. It's all the same guy. It's all very, like, incestuous, isn't it? It's just, you try to look at these corporations, you're like, hey, it's all the same guy here. It's the same guy all the way down. Wow. Anyways, (laughs) in 2004, with their book offerings having gone the way of the encyclopedia salesman, Time Life and Direct Holdings gave us the gift of a cultural experience that could not be missed unless you literally didn't own a TV. Cause I'm your lady, (gasps) and you are my man. (laughs) Yes, that's right. The Time Life Ultimate Love Songs Collection. Wow. This commercial actually was suggested to me by friend of the pod, Sarah. So thank you, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> this is, okay, is that one and the Enya one? Yes. What's the one? And I think the Enya one is a different company. It is a different company. But it's the say, it's the commercial that was always on. You hear that, those beginning riffs of, of Celine Dion, and you're like, hey, we're in for it. It's the middle of the night. I can't find anything to jerk <sighs> wow. it to. Wow. I guess I'm watching cartoons i guess i'm watching cartoons and here it is yeah and you're my lady oh celine dion michael bolton wow i can't wait are you ready do you want to let's do it are we doing it now we're doing it now i'm gonna put on my tight tight pants (laughs) and we're gonna watch we're gonna take an ad break and watch this fucking commercial hell yeah hell yeah wow we'll return after these messages Imagine owning the world's greatest love songs. Can you 
the greatest voices of our time. In a once-in-a-lifetime collection. Time Life Music presents the Ultimate Love Songs Collection. 36 beautiful songs by all our favorite artists. Have I told you lately that I love you? Rod Stewart, Celine Dion, Phil Collins, Gloria Estefan. Get the Ultimate Love Songs Collection on two CDs for just $26.99. Use your credit card, and we'll take $10 off. That's right. You get two CDs for just $16.99. Then review other romantic collections. Satisfaction guaranteed. Ultimate Love Songs is not sold in stores. So remember, use your credit card and get two beautiful CDs for just $16.99. Call 1-800-818-6806 to order the Ultimate Love Songs Collection on two CDs for $16.99 plus shipping and handling when you use your credit card. Call now or order online at timelife.com. Welcome back to the show. I was shocked to find out that that came out in 2004. Okay. Because I feel like I remember watching it all through high school. I, I feel like it's been in my bones yeah. from the beginning of time. I feel like it was put in my bones like it, while I was in the womb during the harmonic convergence. <laughs> all that, they were all meditating and all that energy went into me and infused me with the love songs. Uh, okay. So I just, I gotta, I did bring up the, the, track, the, the track list. Thank you. But I do want to point out something. Okay. Because there is... I love this collection, and I am going to find that Spotify list. Okay. And I'm going to make sweet, sweet love to myself tonight (laughs) (laughs) with that collection. But the it is called Ultimate Love Songs Collection, colon, When a Man Loves a Woman. Is it? Oh, my God. I don't care for that. (laughs) This is het propaganda. This is heterosexual propaganda. Oops. We goofed. They've They've been doing it to us. For so long. So long. Only, only, only songs about when a man loves a woman are ultimate yeah. love songs. Yeah. And the other ones, pfft. And I don't even think that song's on here. It isn't. That's a true. It's not hilarious. even, no, it's not even on here. Okay, okay. But let's talk about who is on here because, mm. wow, Anne Murray. Anne Murray. I gotta, I, I gotta start with the Canadian native Anne Murray. Fucking, uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, Lionel Richie. Yes. Luther Vandross. Yes. Nat King Cole. Chicago. Are you kidding me? Now, it looks like there's one. There was two CDs, though, right? Yeah, two CDs, 36 songs. Is the other one When a Woman Loves a Man? <laughs> when a man loves a dog. <laughs> I can't find the other one. Forever. Maybe 2004. Hold on. I'm looking. I gotta find it. I don't know. But it just it is incredible. Yeah. Hit after hit. Celine. Hit. 
like the fucking Rod Stewart hit. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you saw with your eyes? <sighs> it's all it's the original artist, yeah, singing, and it's most of them at a concert. Mm-hmm. Um, the style. Now you said two thousand four, yeah. It looks so much older. It truly looks so much older. It looks I, like ninety one. I can't believe we looked like that. Yeah. Celine Dion started it off, and she had her short haircut. She had a little pantsuit on. Mwah. I was also shook by Rod Stewart. That hair. That hair. I didn't know he had that in 2004. Well, I don't think... I think they used old footage. Oh, wow. Unless there was, like, an original issue of this album previously, and then they used the same commercial, but everything I found said 2004. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Here's the thing. This followed... And I don't know if this is the original, but this followed followed a lot of the same CD-based commercials, where you have, like like the and yeah or what's what smooth i was gonna say smooth moves but that's not the cd collection no. where you have a cd collection and you have a list of all the songs yeah and they're scrolling on the screen everyone's doing it the same way no one's no one's diversifying no, no it's the same thing and then as an audience member you're like wow i can't believe i get that i get luther vandross and chicago are you kidding me on the same cd wow and it's always two cds yep and there's always a discount Especially if you call now. And it's, it was what? $49.99? Do you remember when it was, it was $29.99? $29.99. But for 36 songs. Wow. Do you remember when CDs were expensive? <laughs> yes, I, remember, I, I remember paying $32 for a CD. Yeah. That's buck wild. Wow. And then I had the little stuff at the bottom call now. Yeah. The classic I, blue screen. I just, I don't know about calling. On the phone? I, well, I always thought when those CDs stuff came up, it was like, call now. Well, how do, how do they know <laughs> that the CD Uh-oh, is... here we go, folks. <laughs> <laughs> how do they know that the CD is the commercials playing at that moment, right? Because if what if I want to call in later? Are they not going to let me buy the CDs? <laughs> Sorry, ring, ring. Sorry, we told you to call now. Uh... The commercial pay- played 20 minutes ago. You know what? You make but a great point. <laughs> I do make a great point. I always make a great point. Anyway, that was... Who who suggested that? Sarah. Our friend Sarah. Thank you. Okay, so here's my question to you. Yeah. It's 2021. Yeah. How you make this... Uh, how you bring this into the, into the future? I'll tell you. Okay. We're going to make Ultimate Love Songs 2021. When a man loves a man. Thank God. <laughs> now, I am just Googling gay love songs. A lot of Troy Sivan, I would assume. Yeah, we're going to keep... So, so here, they, the first one that Google told me is Same Love by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that those two were gay, but I don't think that They're song... Not. Well, ooh, okay, Billboard, Men Singing About Men. 30 gay love songs there you go fucking sam smith hymn uh there you go uh years and years preacher fucking vincent mine i don't know who these people are (laughs) kiss the boy that's one the ariel yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're old look here's what i want honestly Uh i just want little nas x to fucking (laughs) just a collection of 36 songs by little nas x it's just his new album Okay, Ultimate Love Songs 
colon Lil Nas X songs you can fuck to. Yes! <laughs> Ride him. This is what we need in this day and age. This is what we need. We don't need love songs. We're not, we're over it. We're over we're, Stop love. trying to sanitize us. Yeah, we're down and dirty. <laughs> us? <laughs> we? The two of us? That's what I want. I love it. I think it's great. Is that okay? Okay. 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 In the commercial, yeah, the word the titles are scrolling, yeah, and Little Nas X is just sliding down a pole. Okay, there's a side scroller, right? So as as Little Nas X slides down the pole, that's how you know when the commercial is going to end. Is he's the little timer? Wow, that's all I want. I would, I would get very excited to see that as an ad on a streaming service. Yes, please. <laughs> Why has no one thought of this yet? I don't know. <laughs> I'm angry about. We'll it. send you a USB with 36 songs on it direct <gasps> to your mailbox. Oh my god. Okay, when we start a Patreon, which we're thinking about this summer, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should just do that. We did. We have done uh, mix CDs for a previous podcast. We have, but these would be better. These would be, be much better. So much gayer and hornier. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's funny. I have a local ad for you. Okay. And it is also a direct to Ooh. Um, person through the mail sale. I, I is that did that make sense? Direct a person through the mail? Yeah. D T P T T M. Yeah. yeah. That's what they call them. D T P T T M's. <laughs> Nothing can stop you, huh? <laughs> uh and this is one if you were I think this is a Canadian thing. Okay. It's definitely an Ontarioan thing. I'm interested to see if you saw it too. Okay. In BC. This is the French learning videos. <laughs> Muzzy. Bonjour. Je suis le grand Muzzy. Je suis la jeune fille. Yes, that's French they're speaking. And no, these children aren't French. They're American. And they've acquired their amazing new language skills from Muzzy, the remarkable new video language program for children developed by the British Broadcasting Corporation. With this unique BBC language course, children learn a second language with incredible ease. Four delightful videos quickly become their favorite TV show and teaches children the same way they learned English. Learning another language becomes fun. You'll be amazed when your children begin speaking and understanding their new language from the very first day through this unique method. The entire course, four videos, two audio cassettes, the activity book, and the parents' guide and answer book is available in French, Spanish, Italian, or German. To order, use your credit card and call this number. We'll ship and charge you twenty eight oh eight a month for six months. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Call one eight hundred four two four zero seven hundred. Muzzy. Yeah, did you have Muzzy? No. Just we lazu V. He's like a monster? He's like a green thing. Yeah. I like a, I like this woman that's uh, doing the narrating where yeah. she says, yes, that's French they're speaking. <laughs> and they're American. Wow. <laughs> American speaking another language? White children? 
Um, yeah, Muzzy was a mail-to-order fucking thing. You got some tapes, and then after four tapes and a couple activity books, you were fluent in French. Just uh, the, the precursor to the Duolingo owl. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Also, I didn't know this. We looked at the very end. Um, there was a price. It was $28 for six months. Yeah. That's outstanding. Damn, that's a hundred and eighty dollars ish. You did a lot of math. <laughs> that's the most math I've ever done wow. that in my entire life. Holy shit! What's happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Muzzy. Hey, I just want to know, actually. Um, so I had in Ontario, but you didn't have in BC. Not that I ever saw. I wonder. We. I need to like fucking red string this. If you saw Muzzy commercials growing up in the nineties. Tell me where you lived, because I need to track this. Yeah. I need to track. Cause You're going to put a big map up on your bedroom wall. Yeah. With pins? Mm-hmm. Please. Um, you can actually tweet at us at adcreeps, and you can email us adcreeps at gmail.com. But really, you could just tell me through a five-star uh, mm-hmm. review. That would be great. Yeah. Just give your name and address. <clears throat> and your credit card number. In, and your social security card. Um, in a, With a five star. Yeah. That's um, going to help me track the Muzzy movement. That's perfect. And rest assured, if the centralization of all of these Muzzy commercials is also the site of the 1987 Harmonic Convergence, <laughs> we will let you know. Wow. And I will become more powerful than ever. We got to stop this. <laughs> with the power of to- Muzzy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Je suis Je suis. <laughs> um see i took french in like fucking starting in what junior kindergarten in ontario and as soon as i left whoop, there it goes it's gone I took french in grades seven and eight yeah and then in eighth grade i was writing a story um during class and my french teacher took it away and at that moment i said i'm switching to spanish (laughs) fuck you the fuck you (laughs) okay i think that's it that's it wow 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 um until next time we are signing It weren't for my spouse. When a man loves a woman. That song isn't even on it.